Welcome to the podcast series by Great Place to Work, ASEAN and ANZ. This is where we dive into the world of current workplace issues, bringing you stories from leaders of best workplaces in Singapore. Joining us today is Chris Ong, Managing Director of DHL Express Singapore, and he's here to pull back the curtain on what it means to be the world's best workplace. In Singapore, DHL Express has been placed number one for the past three consecutive years as a Singapore best workplace. But in fact, DHL Express Singapore has been ranked on our best workplace list since 2015. And over the past nine years, it has only moved one way and that's upwards. Beyond the fact that DHL Express is ranked a best workplace in Singapore, it is also a best workplace in the world for the past many years. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Evelyn, for inviting me to join you for this podcast today. Uh, I'm Chris and I'm the Managing Director for DHL Express Singapore. Uh, I've been with DHL Express for over 16 years. And in fact, I started out my career here at the regional office for DHL Express uh, for the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, and after five years here, I uh, took up the challenge of running my first country as a general manager in Vietnam. And so I packed up my wife, three kids, the youngest child being only six months old wow. in 2011. And I was there from 2011 till about 2014 mm. before I then got posted to Malaysia where I then ran the DHL Express business there for about four and a half years before returning to Singapore at the end of 2018. So I've been in my role here at uh, DHL Express Singapore for about five years. Thank you for the introduction. And um, that gives context, you know, as to your background and what you do here. Chris, you have a way of introducing DHL that I always love to hear. Would you like to say your famous line? Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> We at DHL are the world's most international company. And as we like to say at DHL, the world is two-thirds covered by water. The rest is covered by DHL. That's right. The rest is covered by your very distinctive red and yellow logo. Um, that's really seen all over the world. In Singapore, you have over a thousand employees. And when I was looking before this conversation, I was looking at your results. Yeah. So for our audience who's not familiar, uh, DHL Express, they take part in our Great Place to Work survey, where our survey is being deployed to all their employees. And I know that in your last survey, over just over a thousand of employees, each of them responded to the survey. It's a 60-question survey. And we saw a score where 97% of your people say, that they work in a great workplace. Now, this is a survey responded by over a thousand employees. On the average, 97% of them say this is a great workplace. That to me is, is insane. That to me is insane, not just because the score is really, really high, but for the profile of your business, the profile of your people, the fact that you have got a distributed workforce, how do you do that? I mean, that's really amazing. And that's really what I want to be able to, um, I want to be able to break it down because in the landscape of cultivating workplace positivity, Chris, I feel that you are truly best placed to share about the journey of building great workplace culture. Now, before we dive into that, yep. there's been a lot of conversation, you know, around Toxic workplaces. Yep, yes. You have seen that. We have read that on yep. articles. There's been a lot of profile. Um, 
First of all, tell me your thoughts around around this these toxic workplaces. Well, yes, unfortunately, I think there are many of such places, not just in Singapore, but all around the world. And unfortunately, for a lot of people, I mean, the workplace is somewhere where we spend pretty much half our lives. Mm. You know, um, at least half our waking lives. Um, in and the fact that. You know, people do not enjoy going to the environment. I think puts a lot of strain on their mental health. That's right. And you know, unfortunately, uh, for many people, and I think in Singapore, you shared with me before, Evelyn, that actually the engagement levels are actually relatively low. Mm. You know, here in Singapore, and I suppose a lot of people are focused on delivering results. At DHL. Our values are to deliver results, without compromising respect, and I think that is the one thing over the last fifteen years that has really helped us to drive, you know, the positive environment. And I think you know, toxic workplaces oftentimes it starts with people feeling, you know,、um, that there's a lot of unfairness, there's favoritism. In the organization,、um, you people、uh, dread, you know, bringing themselves to work. Right, they they feel that they are unappreciated. They you know、um, can't find any purpose in going to work every、yeah. day. I would love to deep dive and unpack all that you just said in a little bit. So we talk a little bit about toxic workplaces, and you are right in that many surveys have shown that when a workplace culture is toxic. It affects people's mental health. In fact, I was just、um, at a panel last night and sharing a statistic that there was a global study that shows that employees say that seventy percent of employees say that their immediate boss impact their mental health、mm-hmm. as much as their spouse. That's quite scary and quite sad, isn't it? That my boss has the ability to impact my mental health as much as the spouse I live with. I, I'm not surprised <laughs> because you know, as what my wife tells me, I spend more time with the more、right. waking hours with people in DHL uniforms <laughs> than I do with her. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, which is why the case for prioritizing mental health in the workplace is very clear. So, on on one of the spectrum, we have got. Toxic workplaces. On the other hand, we do have great workplaces like DHL Express, and there is a business case. There is a business case for companies to build strong work workplaces. Now, between these two extreme, a lot can be unpacked in between. So, I want to do a simple, spontaneous activity. May I ask for your response to each of the statement below? Sure. All right. In your experience, how do you tell if a company has a toxic work culture that exists? As opposed to just the acts of a few root co- colleagues. Well, whether it's an overall culture or it's a couple of root colleagues, I feel very strongly that they all have to be called out.、Mm. Right? It, we can't just say because it's a small group that we can just gloss over it. Because unfortunately, like cancer, if you have a couple of root colleagues that are not addressed, it spreads. It spreads to the rest of the organization, and before you know it, the whole organization has this negative, toxic type of environment, which really doesn't help in terms of productivity. It doesn't help with employee engagement, and oftentimes, in such an environment, your customers feel it. Your customers will feel it, right? So, I mean, if I were to say, how can we tell 
if an uh, environment is toxic, well, look at things like turnover rate, right? How high is your turnover rate? Um, is it, you know, across the organization? Is it in specific, you know, functions um, in terms of things like absenteeism, right? How high is your absenteeism? Um, is it, you know, uh, during surveys? So, for example, we recently, of course, did the Great Place to Work survey. Internally, we also have our employee opinion survey. And we will look at the responses. You know, every year, we spend a lot of time looking through the responses, doing workshops, addressing concerns. And we have what we call EOS champions in each function who are from the ground. Not, not supervisors, not managers, but people, peers who are part of that, you know, small group of people who will then talk about the results and to get suggestions and ideas on how to improve. So Chris, hearing you say, I wish I'm an employee of Audi or DHL Express because I know that as a leader, you care about my feedback, you act on my feedback. But I'm thinking of the many you know, people out there who is listening to um, our podcast. And you say earlier on that it is important, whether it's the act of a few people or this is a widespread workplace culture, to call out toxic behaviours. I think for many people out there, the fear is in the calling out. Sure. It, there's a fear of reprisal. There's a fear that, or even a case where even if I speak out, will anyone hear me? Will HR sweep it under the carpet? Who do I go to? What's your advice around that? Well, I think um, we need to ensure that people feel safe, right? And, and at DHL, being an industrial company, we talk a lot about, you know, safety first. Mm. And this is really about physical, physical safety. safety. Yeah. But we've extended that to what we call psychological safety. Could you share, um, especially because the profile of your people is very varied, yes. right? You have got your managerial staff, uh, you've got also those who are out you know, on the roads every day delivering their passes and documents. How do you do that for a workforce where um, the profile of people is so diverse and your people are everywhere? Well, it, it depends on the leaders at every level. And for us, it means investing tremendously in our team leaders who manage a team of perhaps 10 couriers to the supervisors who manage a team of maybe about five or six team leaders to the managers, right? These frontline team leads and supervisors are what make the big difference. And we invest tremendous amounts of time, effort and energy to equip them, mm. right? So for example, um, Every year, I spend three days every four months. So three times a year, I would actually spend three days to equip these new team leaders with our what we call our Certified International Manager Training. And this, you know, it's not just me, but my senior management colleagues come together, right, to impart some skills, to teach them how to manage, you know, their, themselves, to, and more importantly, impart values. To me, that is the most critical. And when these team leaders see, you know, and match what they experience back at the facility with what we're sharing with them, they are then able to carry on. Because when they've got role models, that means they've got supervisors that deliver results without compromising respect. When they've got service center managers who do the same, who celebrate success, who actively manage underperformance, right? Without fear or favor, to be consistent in delivering those values, right? 
then they are able to carry those values on and the couriers feel it. Our operations agents feel it. So I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that, Chris, you say that your secret sauce um, to creating that safe environment is about investing time and training into your leaders. And you could just say that you spend three days a quarter to do that? Yeah, three days every four but months you're or so. But you're so senior. Where, where do you find time? Yes, you are the managing director for a country office. Why would you not leave this to your colleagues in the learning and development department or hire external trainers? I mean, why do you do it yourself? Because these types of training set the tone. This is how, to me, this is the job to inspire the next generation of leaders. Okay, so wait, wait. So you are saying you yourself trained leaders every every quarter? Yes. I spent three days every four months okay. equipping um, you know, operations team leaders, uh, new uh, sales Not just managers. Your, your, your minus one. You're talking about no, all the way no. down. I'm talking about those who've just been promoted from a courier wow, okay. to a team leader, right? And and they are our frontline leaders of the Why organization. Why would you do that? Because it's all about imparting values mm. and making sure that I, as a manager, am a role model for them to follow. Right? Because if the managing director mm. is telling people to deliver results without compromising respect and spending the time to show them what it means, telling the stories of you know the last 15 years how we you know how we went through crises how we overcame challenges and how now we celebrate success people can see that right and if the managing director tells them you need to take time off to recharge you need to be able to come in with a spring in your step to have a best day every day and they can see that mm. in their leaders they will follow you, I, I, I sense so much passion and conviction in what you just said. I'm asking a business question. Sure. How do you determine the, your ROI? Well, you see... On this time that you spend training leaders at the not-so-senior level. Well, I, I think, you know, if we now look at our survey results, you've mentioned, you know, 97% of our colleagues say that we're a great place to work. Um, firstly it's not possible to get over 900 plus people saying we're a great place to work unless the leaders at the very front of the line are great leaders. Yeah. Right? And I think that's where people are wondering how, you know, to have a thousand strong organisation more than that and to have your very last leader down the line be also great such that the very last man on the ground can put a thick on the survey and say, I really enjoy working here. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, it's all about values, right? And that people feel that consistency. We, at every town hall, we talk about our values, delivering results without compromising respect, right? And we talk about the journey that we, we have taken. We are very transparent. When times are great, yes, we celebrate. When challenging times face us, we've got headwinds and so on, we're very open. So in that sense, it creates that culture of trust. Okay. Right? I, I'm, I, and I allow anyone to ask me anything. Town halls, we've got anonymous Slido questions. They can ask whatever they want and they will get a straight answer. They may not like the answer, mm. but they'll get a straight answer, you know, from us. Okay. And I think, you know, by building that trust, 
you get the engagement. And when you get that engagement, our customers feel it. Because when you have engaged employees, you have engaged customers. Okay, I want to I want to hold that thought. That's a point I want to come back to afterwards. But I want to just go back to that point around toxic workplace culture and uh, leadership behaviours. Now, what the traits of toxic culture, we've seen different articles, right? Uh, one of them is about um, people, leaders who are disrespectful, mm. leaders who, pre- who or, or not just leaders, but anyone for that matter, who are non-inclusive in their behaviour. I would imagine in your workforce, you have a diverse workforce. Yes, very. Diversity from a age perspective, gender, um, ethnicity, religion, faith, uh, even from a um, yeah ethnicity, right? The race and all. How, how do you build or call out behaviours that are not right? Would you be able to share any stories around that? So we believe our principles and, and all, but I am wondering whether, does it just cut? That's great what it just just happen like that. No, I, I mean yeah. it, it does it it takes years. You know, I, I think, you know, okay, firstly, what helps for us is that we are a network, right? DHL Express, we cannot fulfill a customer's requirements unless both the origin and the destination fulfill the same processes and work together. Right, whether it's you know pick up here in Singapore, a transit through our hub in Hong Kong, to you know uh, the flights that fly across, to you know uh, deliver a breaking bulk in Los Angeles, and then you know uh, breaking bulk and delivering in the end, we require support from one another. So I would say at the outset, we also already have this culture of we need to work together. So that's a very start. The business necessitates that. The business requires that. that. Yes. But, you know, it doesn't mean that just because the business necessitates that, that automatically the culture is there. Mm. No. I think we spent a lot of time explaining to people the importance of working as one. That is one of our key taglines, right? That we want to work as one. That it's not about silos. It's about all of us working together to deliver that great customer experience to our end customers, right? So, you know, with such a diverse workforce, and again, we're all across the world. We are all, you know, different in terms of, like you said, our our you know religion, our culture. You know, we come. We've got lots of colleagues. You know, from uh, at least in Singapore nationalities, we've mm. got you know uh, in Germans mm. right working with us. We've got uh, colleagues from South Asia here, from Indonesia, Thailand. It's all across the board. You know, but we all speak the same language of our values of delivering results without compromising respect. And I think because of that, when something disrespectful happens, people aren't afraid to call it out, to say that, you know, and and we we equip people with uh, what we call a, a, a framework to give feedback so that people are confident, especially the leaders, right? And that's part of our training. Um, you know, the three days that we spend uh, or I spend every couple of months, we actually equip them with certain skills so that they're confident in giving feedback in a non-threatening manner that, you know, allows the recipient to see the impact of their actions, right? And so we have this common language that we've really tried to impose because we want a feedback culture. 
Mm. We want people to be open to be able to say, hey, you know, you've great, done a great job. The impact of that was, you know, you've created a very satisfied customer. You know, continue to do that. And they can see that and understand that. And if something not so good happens, right, we give what we call developmental feedback. Mm. And so, so there's this culture of open communication and making sure that we give feedback to one another. So we don't want to just leave people to their own um, to their own devices, but you actually equip them to be able to do that. Could you share if there are any other initiatives that our listeners out there could perhaps take back if they similarly, like you, want to aspire to build a strong workplace culture? What else can they do from a, from a practices and initiative perspective? Well, I, I think, you know, for a start, what really helped us, and, and, and it hasn't been, let's say, smooth all the way. If you uh, go back 15 years, in 2008, 2009, during the last financial crisis, um, DHL almost ceased to exist as an organization. We had a very difficult and challenging time. We had to pull out of the U.S. domestic business. 30,000 of our colleagues lost their jobs. Wow. Mm. We wrote off 3 billion euros in assets, and we were really on life support at that point in time. Um, but at that point was when we came up with a very simple and straightforward strategy together with our values, right? That we felt could be easily communicated to every level of the organization. Quite a pause on that. I'm hearing that at a very critical point in business where you just lost crazy instant amount of money, you had to have a new strategy. I take that. But you said that at the, at the same time, you also identified the values. So the strategy, business strategy and values were developed at the same time. Yes. And this came right from the top, you know, where uh, at that point, our recently uh, retired group CEO, Frank Apple, came out to talk about we want to deliver results without compromising respect. So there's business strategy, deliver results without compromising respect. That's a values well, bit. Well, respect and values yeah. was because the, the most of people will yeah. think that you do strategy first and you know it's kind of soft things, right? Like values and people, it can come after that. No, it was it was it was hand in hand because we talked about delivering results without compromising respect, mm. and together with that, we had what was known as the focus strategy, mm. which had four pillars. The first pillar being motivated people. Because as an organization that picks up and delivers packages all around the world, we depend on our people to make... But it's, it's quite a foresight work. to think about that, right? Yeah, because this was in 2008, 2009. Exactly, exactly. In 2008, to think that I need to have the right people to deliver results. Um, because most business leaders and business owners would might pay lip service to values, but to do what DHL has done is, is quite a feat. But, well, because we knew right from the start, culture eats strategy for <laughs> breakfast. right? And I think we, we realised that early enough to say that, you know, to get us out of this really deep hole that we're in, we have to make sure that we invest in our people so that they're highly motivated. Because when they are motivated, they'll go that extra mile, deliver our second pillar, which is the great service quality, mm. right? They go that extra mile and customers feel it. And so you will have loyal customers, right? Customers keep coming back. And once you take care of these three things, motivated people, delivering great service quality to loyal customers, we will get what we call a profitable network, mm. right? And once you make the money, you take care of those three things, the money will follow. 
And then you can have the virtuous cycle of reinvesting back into our people, right? And, and that cycle has been happening, you know, in the last 15 years, since 2008, 2009, you know, we had the biggest dip in our profitability since 2010, where from a, you know, minus two, three billion dollar loss, we made 500 million in 2010. And ever since then, every single year after that, we've made more money up until 2021, where yes, we hit more than 4.7 billion euros in a single year. Amazing. And, and it's all on the back of motivated people. So I, I, would, I would like to say that you're saying that Digital Express profitability has gone up and up. And it is because of the focus on people, not because of smarts and good strategy and well, the larger environment. I think, I think, yes, we've made good decisions, yeah. but it wasn't all from the top. Mm. It was because of people on the ground solving issues at the front line. They kept addressing, you know, customer concerns. All of us had this mindset of, look, constant improvement. When people are motivated, they want to solve problems for their customers. They want to give a better customer experience, mm. right? If people can feel it when you've got a very engaged person on the other end of the phone or when the courier comes and, you know, picks up the shipment. Mm. I've had many, many customers come to me and say, Chris, your courier has been serving me for the last 10 years. So my question for you is, people first or profits first? People. People. Without a doubt? Without a doubt. And, and you know, the recent, the recent pandemic really proved it. Because I'll give you an example. In early 2020, right, in March, I remember that day so distinctly because Malaysia announced the MCO with literally 24 hours before I the borders that. closed. I drove out of JB within two hours when they announced that. <laughs> And, and the fact was we had over 200 colleagues who crossed the border every single day to come across to work at our hub in, you know, Singapore. Uh, they, they work in basically the graveyard shift, right? Because that's when all our packages come in, they need to sort it and prepare the, you know, shipments for coming in, breaking down and then loading up the, the ULDs, you know, all the containers for the flights and then the planes go off again, right? So... We basically had to go to them and say, will you stay in Singapore? For those who had just finished the night shift and they were going back across to Malaysia, we told them, you know, when you go back, please, you know, pack and come back across and we will take care of you. Don't worry about having a roof over your head. Don't worry about, you know, you've got nothing else except the clothes on your back. Mm -hmm. We'll make sure you get taken care of, but we need you. We know it's a big sacrifice, but we need you here in Singapore, right? And at that time, you remember, it was early COVID. Our volumes were plunging. That's right. Those were the days Those were the things days were when, just uncertain. And, and It was bleak. But for us, it was very clear. Not to say that I didn't think about my profitability, but I said, we take care of our people first. The results will follow. Mm. And so, you know, they came back across. We had pictures of all of our people, you know, they were riding their motorcycles and they basically were carrying basically enough clothing to last them, well, what they thought was maybe a, a couple of weeks or <laughs> yeah, months, yeah. you know. It's turned out to be, what, two years? Yeah, two, two over years, right? And, and 
you know, and but when and we scrambled to look for hotel rooms for all two hundred of them. Ah, those were the days. Yeah, and yeah. and but the fact was because we took care of all of them, we took care of their housing. We gave them a stipend, you know, to you know buy clothes and whatever they needed here in Singapore, right, and so on. You know, they came back extremely appreciative of what the company was doing to support them. Yes, and 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 I think you know this this cycle has worked for us the last fifteen years. Sometimes people think, oh, after a while you got to change the strategy, but if it ain't broke, you know why fix it? There's just some basic principle, right? Exactly, treating people right. And, and it's it's not just the strategy; it's about the execution. Mm. I think the one thing as an organization that we have done well is not coming up with the strategy. Because very frankly, Evelyn. Many people have very similar strategies. Even some of our competitors have very similar strategies. But I believe the difference is in the execution, and it's in the leaders, right? That they carry the values, and it's it's you know the corporate values. But for me personally, it, it's great because it resonates with my own personal values because perhaps my faith, and so on, it resonates with me. So it allows me to really live these out. You know, completely. And and this is a great segue, uh, Chris. I, I want to ask. So we talk about how DHR Express, you have, it's not an overnight success. You have spent time, effort, uh, put in the programs to build the culture you have today. It has shown in your ranking, not just locally, but globally as a best workplace. It has shown in your business results, both locally and globally. Um, your profitability has gone up the, the roof. I have spoken to many leaders, right? And culture building is hard work. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> it is not so simple as deliver program, you know, train people to how to give feedback. It is not just doing things. But building culture is an outpouring of your life, of your heart, of your time, of your energy, of coming to the end of yourself. And I've spoken to many people and they said, you know what, I don't want to be a people leader. Just let me do the work. <laughs> because it is so hard. Yes, it is. To lead people, to build teams. I mean, if you are leaders that don't care, fine. But it, because we want to be leaders who care leaders who do good by our people. And that takes a lot. Yes. And look, we're not perfect. By no means are we perfect. Mm. You know, we're still trying to make a great company better. Right? And our goal is to be the greatest place to work in the world. But my encouragement to those who are listening and who are struggling, I mean, you know, um, it's about, you know, finding your purpose. Right, your personal purpose in what you do. Um, I think at DHL, the good thing is our purpose of connecting people and improving lives resonates with all of us, especially during the pandemic. The fact that we delivered globally more than 2.6 billion doses of vaccines, we were able to do things that no other organization could do. We were, you know, Singapore, if you've had a dose of Pfizer vaccine, means that you've, got a, you've got a piece of DHL in you, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and, and the fact is, I think as a leader, if we are able to find purpose in what we do, right, and then translate that to our day-to-day such that the purpose and our values are aligned, right, then, you know, all of us can then be 
will be running in the same direction, right? And I think you know, in in for whether it's a small team or a large team, I think what's important is that we are real. We are real with our team. So yeah, you you know, it's not you're not gonna have a best day every single day. We try, yeah. but you're not gonna have a best day. How do you keep going on, Chris? Well, I I think you know, for me, uh, we talk about making sure that we have time to refresh and recharge, mm. right? As a leader, even, you know, me, yeah, perhaps people think that I, I'm some energizer bunny that has uh, no end to every energy. Every time I see you, you are, you are up, you know, you are, you're, you're, I, I, I get infected by your positivity. <laughs> um, but that's one of the things that we do in our training. We tell people that you have to have your downtime. Mm. You must do something that, makes you happy that gives you those positive energy you know um for me you know my weekends are sacred you know i i i spend my time with my family you have time to I, rest yeah i know i i tell my people and that's the thing if at the training i tell the staff you must find time to recover that work is not a marathon because if you think work is a marathon, what it means is that you will use all of your, uh, some of your energy all of the time, but all of your energy none of the time. Mm. You pace yourself. No, because I think as leaders, we need to recognize that we can't keep going yeah. indefinitely. And once we are able to, you know, recharge, renew, we will walk with the little spring in our step coming to the office then you infect those around you. Mm. Because positivity is infectious. Is infectious. Yeah. So and, and that's to me, right, is important. Because if the leader, right, I mean, don't just don't even talk about the values, the strategies. If the leader comes in positively and then lives out the values and executes the strategy, I, I think you know, we pay people fairly. Okay. Right? For the jobs that they do. But you know, paying people enough basically is the hygiene factor. That just makes you competitive to attract talent. If you get your development right, you get, you know, uh, investing in growing your leadership, growing your, your you know, employees, it makes you differentiated. Mm. But to be truly unique, you need to give the people who work for you a purpose. And for us, we'd like to think that as an organization, we give purpose because that letter or that package could be more than just a letter. You know, recently, um, you know, I, I got a call on a Thursday night um, and there was this lady on the other line says, Chris, I, you don't know me. I got your name from a friend and your number from a friend. Um, I really need your help. Uh, my father's dying and my sister's trapped in New Zealand. She doesn't, you know, her passport's expired. And we need to get her back here. Can you please help me? Mm. And we figured out that she needed a document of identity flown from uh, basically uh, Wellington to Auckland, where the sister was, so that she can just fly back to Singapore. Um, and we put in a call to our colleagues in New Zealand to say, hey, can you please help? Right? And we typically don't do domestic shipments. I mean, at least we're, we're known as an international carrier. But, you know, our colleagues on the ground in New Zealand responded. Mm -hmm. Made sure that the document got picked up by the Singapore High Com, mm -hmm. had it delivered to Auckland within the same day, 
Amazing. Okay. That's the a lady, 13 hour flight. No, no, from uh, Wellington, not so, Singapore, okay, Wellington. Right, yeah. It's almost an hour, but okay. just, just making sure that it got they, there. Yeah, it's, it's beyond it, what they need to do. Yeah, because all the other courier companies couldn't commit even to deliver. It was a Thursday. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even commit to delivering it on a Saturday. It was the following Monday. And, you know, the lady said the father had probably 48 hours to live. And so we managed to get the document to Auckland. She boarded the midnight flight on Friday, uh, Saturday early morning, got into Singapore, went to the hospital, saw oh. her dad for four hours. Oh my gosh. First time that she met her father in three years. And, you know, the old gentleman passed away in the presence of the whole family. Right? And, and that's purpose. Yes. And that's why... No, and, and the fact was... It could have just been another document. It could to have just us, been a, that's right. It's not to, just another document. It was literally life and death. Mm -hmm. And connecting families. Connecting people and improving yeah. lives. That yeah. is our purpose. Mm -hmm. And by 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 just that small act, yes, it was just a document. I mean, yes, some people went a little out of their way. But we could do this because of who we are as organization. Right? We are, you know the best in the world in doing, you know, International Express or moving things from A to B so that we can be the world at its best. Thank you, Chris. You know, I always enjoy spending time talking to you and listening to you and just, just absorbing, you know, the different wisdom. And for me, if there's a big takeaway for me today, it's how you have demystified this whole idea of how do you build great workplace culture. And like you say, there's nothing rocket science. I feel that we can go on and on and there will be, you've got so many stories to tell, but thank you so much for being our guest this afternoon and to share not just the programs or the best practices that DHR Express has done, but to share your heart, to share your insights and to share that it's not rocket science and if it's possible for DHR Express, I'm sure for many of us out there who is listening, we can do the same regardless if you lead a team of five or a team of 50 or a team of 500 or an, a thousand strong organization, but the same principles apply. So thank you very much. And thanks for being here with us today, Chris. Thank you, Evelyn. This podcast is brought to you by Great Place to Work ASEAN, Australia and New Zealand. Your partner in transforming workplaces through our unique culture and certification program. We foster a future of work that's inclusive and fulfilling, inspiring organizations to build a culture of trust, collaboration, and engagement. Do tune in to our next episode and stay connected with us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Let's shape a truly great workplace together.